0: Welcome to Black World, and with Ray and Dia. This is a podcast about fantasy and sci-fi.
1: It's about the characters we've had and the ones we should have.
0: It's about the spaces we make and the places we live in.
1: It's about the worlds we've built and the ones we're building. It's about the Black Diaspora, baby. It's about you.
0: It's about me. It's about us. Well, it's always about us. Let's, let's get it. it. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Black World, and Today, we're going to go into our B-side discussion on our young adult versus new adult fiction theme, where we're going to dive into some specific examples, some case studies, if you will.
1: So for our way example, we'll be covering the Nsibity script series. So that's our Akata Witch, Akata Warrior, and Akata Woman books by Nnedi Okorafor. So these books, the first one came out in 2011. The last one came out in 2022. So just want to go ahead and let you know that there will be some spoilers for that book. But you've had time, okay? You've had time. And then we have the Broken Earth trilogy by NK mm-hmm. Jemison. Those these books came out between 2015 and 2017. And that's our new adult example. So just want to let you know again, spoilers ahead. If you haven't read these books, you need to get on it. And if you have, then enjoy the discussion. Um, I guess I can start off with like kind of a Cotta Witch summary. So Akata Witch, our young adult uh, example here, is really set in contemporary Nigeria, right? So we have Sunny Nwazwe, who is our albino leopard girl. And leopard, in this sense, is this is a magical person, right? They're very much aware mm-hmm. of the magical world. and But she comes from America, so she has Nigerian parents she spent a lot of time in America, so she speaks the Igbo language with an American accent, which is very interesting for our characters going forward. But the the real magic in this story is diversity in characters, the intersectionality of this subgroup in Nigeria, where they're both Nigerian, they're African-American, so we have Sasha Jackson. You know, Jackson, as mm-hmm. you know, very African-American name. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> And in this world, they have this separation of the magical realm, if you will, and the leopard society and the lamb society, which is, you know, um, the more mundane, the, the regular human society. And there's rules and regulations around that. But, you know, I guess a, a quick preview is each book, they're at slightly different ages. And we kind of go through the story with these characters in that way. Cool.
0: And I can jump into Broken Earth Trilogy uh, now with that. So Broken Earth Trilogy is by N.K. Um The first book kind of happened in 2015, I believe, and then the second book in 2016 and the, the third in 2017. So she just like really went through it and she won like major awards for all three of them like in a row, which is wild. But in this setting, so the fifth season, the first book in the whole series takes place in this unnamed planet which is home to this like single massive continent known as the stillness and for all of its written history, constant seismic activity in the form of of what they call shakes, which are earthquakes. Uh, and blows, which are volcanic eruptions, has made life super precarious in this stillness, right? So multiple societies have risen and fallen and they usually end as a result of the fifth seasons, which is the name of the first book, which are volcanic winters um, that tend to recur every few centuries, you know, and the ash is a big thing there and um our main character uh so the series generally follows an interwoven storylines of three characters ultimately revealed to be the same woman right at different stages in her life as a kid she's demaya as a a mid you know young adult into her adulthood she's cyanite and as an adult a middle-aged woman which is where we actually start in the present of the book she's essun um and this is uh this she's it's showing how she's like grows up in the current system of what this world is and what it looks like for that system to then fall apart is what we kind of understand throughout the book and throughout the books in the series the kind of magic system for this um so esun is an origine so in this book an origine is somebody who possesses the ability to control seismic activity often by diverting kinetic or thermal energy from their surroundings so they can like control the way the earth moves and shifts and everything like that and Zed, which is the name of this place so the sansed society they fear and they exploit origin's abilities right so they treat them as second-class citizens and on top of that the world is has this hugely complex racial and ethnic classification system that's mixed in with the hierarchy so a few important characters that you'll hear us talk about again Esun soon slash demaya those are the same person Nasun is her daughter um who we get more throughout the books and actually get her perspective through that um you have the character alabaster who um is super important to her in terms of being partially her lover and a mentor and friend uh you have hoa who is another character who's my favorite character we'll get into uh tonki who is a, um, a trans comless geomist Comless means you don't have a community that you're part of um, that Essun then meets on the road. Then you have Shafa, who's a guardian. Um, and guardians are what a lot of these Origins people who are in the fulcrums have to kind of keep them in line. They're their own like personal police officers. Um, and they're not there to protect them. They're there to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do. And then you have Ika, who's the head of the community that Essun goes into uh, into the present book, uh, in the, the present series. So, yeah. So, um, I kind of want to pop us into a question, right? Um, Thinking about this and thinking about these books and just so everybody knows, again, spoilers all out and through this, you know, go read the books, uh, before if you, if you're really worried about that, but if not, you know, just jump into it like we do. Um, but what kind of diversity do we see between these uh, young adult and new adult series?
1: So at least for me, a lot of times what we see in young adult books is like the discovery of yourself and your community and your identity in a sense. So I feel like especially with Akata Witch, this story is mostly told from you know a very young adult adolescent Nigerian's perspective. And within that, you have them figuring out their sexualities, mm-hmm. them exploring uh, the friend group. But in a way, they're also kind of stuck with the friends that are in their community, right? Right. It's kind of like when you go to when you go to school—elementary school, middle school, even high school. These are people that are in your community that you become friends with. You don't really have too much of a choice mm-hmm. in the community that surrounds you, so you do the best that you can. And specifically with Sunny, uh, the the coven she's a part of—the OHA coven—which is our main characters. They all go to school with each other, right? Or are in the same community. So Orlu just happens to be the boy that's nice to her. And Sunny is albino, so she really sticks out in this community of Nigerian kids where she has, you know, really light skin. She's uh, burning in the sun Mm -hmm. and everybody else is freely able to play soccer and things like that. And Orlu's nice to her, but he kind of blends in with everybody else. He has his differences Two, which, you know, their attachment to the magical world or the leopard society in this case. But I think one of the other things we notice is for the most part, gender is pretty stagnant as well in this book yeah. where, you know, you're male, you're female. That's it. Pretty much the end of discussion. And we don't dwell too hard in that. A lot of what we see as far as diversity is really the intersectionalities and the subcultures that are present in YA while I feel like new adult really lends itself to being more open, right? Like yeah. anybody can have any, <laughs> any, uh, age. I feel like age varies a lot. Uh, any sexuality, like, I don't know about you, but in Broken Earth, I was not surprised by anybody's sexuality ever. Oh, absolutely Just not. Reading.
0: Everybody, the, every time you turn the page, somebody queer, somebody trans, somebody is this. And it like, it makes a lot of sense with the new adult books, right? And specifically with this, where it's like, in a lot of the young adult fiction, the, the difference is the point. The difference is the story. Overcoming the difference, understanding the difference, that kind of stuff, right? But like you were talking about in new adult books, like, they don't treat it as if it's it's a part of the story. Like, it's not the coming out no. story. It's not part of the thing. It's just like, oh, it's just another thing that's here. Like, oh, this character is trans. How do we know this character is trans? Because our main character met them as a kid and then met them as an adult and was just like, Okay, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> like we know this character is bisexual, this character is gay, cuz they per- they prefer this or whatever. So, and it's just like it's not a surprising kind of thing, right? It just yeah. like gender and sexuality just is. Um and it's not like I said the kind of discovery kind of thing. I think the, to what you were talking about with the age, the age part is super important too. Um and you know, in different conversations, we we you and I have talked about this too, but it's like that point where like you said, with Young adults, everybody's around the same age because you're locked into this community, right? You're you're moving yeah. through your story from a very localized place. With this, Cyanite, is she hopping all over the place. She jumping to different spots and things like that. And because of that, she is kind of connecting with different people at different times. And age doesn't necessarily matter as much. Like the character Alabaster is what? Like 10 years older than her? Yeah, something he's like, that? like
1: 10, 10, 15. Because by the time she meets him, He's already had, like, 10 kids. Yeah. Like, it, it, it mm-hmm. he was an older man. He, you know, she might have been in her 20s. To, uh,
0: yeah, he was, like, like almost 40 or he, something like that. He was
1: almost 40. Yeah. And I think the other thing, not just localized as far as uh, age groups, but areas. I feel like SM Side Night... They moved around a lot. Like mm-hmm. she would just, she was traveling. Actually, most of the book is spent yeah. with her in transit. Yeah. Most of the series, she is in transit. Either si yeah. You never stick with her S-I-N-A. in
0: a space, yeah.
1: Not too long. Yeah. Like, it literally, I think Homegirl had a had a time limit of about five years in any location. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: three
1: to five. Three mm-hmm. to five. After three to five years, that shit got rocked. Actually, it, Every it, three to five, every three to five years, it
0: truly did get rocked. It's just like, damn, the worst <laughs> thing possible happens, and you got to pick it up and go. But, but yeah. yeah, and and even with that, I wanted to talk about too. It's like the geog- the g- geographical part, right? In a lot of new adult fiction, but specifically in this series. She's going from place to place, right? Which means she's going from place to place all around this huge monocontinent that they are. So naturally, like this world is going to have this hugely complex racial and ethnic classification system. Of course, it's mixed in with its hierarchy and different things like that. But you see it from, and you know, that can happen in YA books, but you don't see it from such a macro perspective, right? Like we're moving through and we know people are different because of a skin color or of a, um, you know, kind of... uh, a physical like phenotypic kind of thing that's happening there because the weather is different in this place right the people in the north are uh from a different kind of area and what's really cool about that within this book specifically is that um you know this is not based in our real world right it's some kind of planet right. somewhere else but it does come from a black perspective so everything that N.K. Jemisin is riding through comes from that like our main character She's she's somewhere between my color and yours, right? She's, right? she's brown. She's she's for all intents and purposes a black woman in a space where that kind of blackness, as we understand it, doesn't have the same thing. But for her, that's a, being a midladder You know, it, she's called a mid-ladder mutt, right? And that yeah, makes yeah, because she's of in between exactly.
1: Yeah, she's in she's in between the extremes. Yeah. Because they do have, you know, the Shafas and Hoas that are more on the pale side. Mm -hmm. But then you have the Alabasters that have dark skin, but white hair. Exactly. And it's just since she's mid-ladder, which we love that term because N.K. doesn't really define it as such. She really defines it within the realm of the world, which we enjoy. But I think when we talk about YA (laughs) and specifically in reference to Akata Witch, I think we get a lot of their differences through their language and culture that they exemplify as individuals. Right. That's from that individual uh,
0: micro perspective. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That the individual micro perspective. And when it comes to travel or changing locations, NYA and Akadowich it's metaphysical. Like they have Mm -hmm. the wilderness, which is the spirit realm. They're not really leaving to another destination as much as we're transcending to a, a parallel universe, but we actually have not left this part of Nigeria right even when they go to this random tower it's like right outside of this Nigerian city or is that the the center of this particular city and I feel like that's an important aspect where you know as soon slash Cyanite we covering vast differences on the continent Mm -hmm. right and it's just a different feel yeah where it are sunny or Lou Chi Chi. Are they like going on adventures? Absolutely. Are they meeting gods? Absolutely. But I think there's a certain difference in physically going those places and spiritually going those places. Right. right? Like here we are again on that, uh, the ability to travel and choose your, Mm -hmm. your, your destination Choose your adventure. You choose your adventure, (laughs) if you will, you know, and, I feel like new adult is all about your choices in that in that sense. while y a, they're kind of led on a path to me. Mm-hmm. you know, they now, they kind of have it,
0: yeah, yeah, they have mm-hmm. like something that's laid out for them. and I, and I think we we're going to talk about that even more, like in depth a little later. But one of the things I want to pop, right here before we um even continue with the discussion was just like so so for y'all in in the audience like we talk about YA and new adult right and oftentimes we're talking about these in terms of the books that we grew up with and read too there's something that is both true with what we're saying and also just a little different because these are books by black authors right so like the whole kind of um way in in young adult where they're kind of stuck and localized in one place what's still beautiful about you know uh core for' is like work and book is that we're now going through places that are often not shown in books right we're going through right. different spaces in nigeria that a lot of like american readers just are not gonna get because we don't have a lot of books that uh, have that kind of cultural intent right that we're going through that so it is new for us in the same way but with what we're talking about you know in the larger context it's still localized in a very physical place it is in one country often I think for the majority of the book and this other plane and then you know in N.K. Jemisin's of course it's all across this this world right all across this kind of continent but yeah yeah and, and I
1: think that kind of lens to you know what lens we're looking at things and so it makes me wonder you know how does our experiences impact the perspectives on these series or our experiences or even our characters experiences right mm. so how do we I guess how do we experience that do we experience I know for me a witch some you know I've read those books in my late 20s So for me, and of course, one of the the last book, Akata Woman, came out last year. So for me, reading these, I still see Sunny and Orlu, Sasha. I still see them in a child's place. Mm. And they have to navigate their parents and mentors. And I feel like that's actually pretty unique to a YA novel. Because oftentimes, young adult fiction writes off the parents, right? Yeah. Like, they, they go ahead and say, okay, So-and-so's parents died Mm -hmm. or kidnapped, they're not not an active parent, (laughs) like something, something ain't here, you know, I mean, and I feel like this is a unique experience because when it comes to people of color, our families are a big part of that Yeah, where you can't just write off somebody's mama in the, in the black community or the black diaspora for us. That's just, it's, it's just a little different. Because even if our mother isn't here, our grandmothers are, our uncles are, our aunts are, you know, the extended right. family really does step in for us. And we kind of see that a little bit in this book because Sasha, who's the, the African-American character mm-hmm. who has Nigerian roots, his parents, you know, could no longer, you know, deal with him in the American society with these leopard society powers. So they send him to Nigeria to be with his uncle, right? And his mm-hmm. uncle is who gets him involved in this and is helping to take care of him and na 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 right and i feel like that's an important perspective as well where even though they're building their own adventure they have mentors they still have to navigate the realm of a this not this contemporary nigeria as children as adolescents right, right? um the, during the series so far, they're between the ages of 12 and 15. Yeah. So they're still operating without a license. Mm-hmm. They're relying on other people to drive them around. Yeah, there's a
0: whole big scene where there's like a- they gotta get the brother to drive all the way down yes. this wild ass <laughs> highway.
1: <laughs> right. And... Even stepping in to help an older brother who you looked up to, mm-hmm. right? That's a different perspective. Yeah, and especially, especially for us because we we are both older siblings mm-hmm. or oldest siblings. So for us, that is also a different perspective that we don't have as individuals, but can respect in the character. And it, it is interesting how you know Nettie really deals with these age ages. And we talk a little bit about this in episode one or rather the A side of this about, you know, the natural age and the functional Mm -hmm. age. And I feel like she does a great job in blending these in the series where their natural age does indeed (laughs) impact them. Like, yeah. In, in this world, just because you got a juju knife and because you have a spirit face don't mean that you don't have a curfew.
0: Exactly. Don't mean <laughs> that you got to get home. and You ain't got to go to school right. and do your homework the next day. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Like you are still you, you are still living in the realm of a real world. Like mm-hmm. there is an actual responsibility to being home on time, yeah. to doing your homework, to making sure you get into a good college. Right. These are all still responsibilities on top of learning how to travel through the wilderness in your spirit form. Exactly. Like, yeah. le- learning learning how to get to the leopard city. Right. Learning going going to, to
0: your juju class at like what? Midnight right. night <laughs> <whatever laughs> yeah. yeah. Like
1: like having to sneak out. Like that is still something that's a part of your life. But we also get A functional age in the sense that we can traverse these Mm -hmm. spirit realms on our own or they expect us to learn how to do certain spells and they expect us to learn how to uh regulate our money right Right. because every time they learned a new skill they would get paid by the gods if you Mm -hmm. will yeah and then have to manage their money in the leper society like nobody was there to say oh you know, you need the 50, 30, 20, that shit. Like, that's not how that went, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like, you know, she does a great job in lending them both a functional age as well as their natural age, impacting how they can do certain things. And even kind of giving them a, a, a diametric or diametrically opposed mindset mm. where I have to be, you know, progressive and forward thinking enough to learn how to read incivity on my own or learn mm. how to split my time between my lamb school and my leopard classes right. like and that's a level of responsibility that we in our current world don't really learn until we're 18 20 years old in college yeah and this is something they were dealing with at 12 right
0: you know it's like this um like Uh, Akorafor really does this great job of like giving us this, like like you said, this functional age, um, but in context, right? Like the functional age, like what they have to do as a part of the Leopard Society makes sense for us to, because you know, when I started, when I read that book, of course, I'm an adult, like we read it around the same time, right? But like, I thought that the character started off at, like, age 16 or something like that, right? Not, like, age 12. Age 12, the, It's yeah. because of the level of responsibility that's propped onto them um, for this side of the world. But also because this, this particular book is set in our world, right? In the world that we know and understand, right? So then, like, we have the functional age of stuff being on that because these are Black people. Right? These are black, right. you know, black African like kids, and they have different cultural, different, you know, um, national subcultural kind of things but it makes them have to perform in certain ways right we see that beautifully through sunny and again sasha too to kind of get the like this in between uh you know uh, american and nigerian and then we have the, the american part of that but we see like okay how sunny's family treats her as the only daughter right and what kind of role she has to take on in the very gendered way her family functions within that particular area area of their culture right we see um but how that kind of gets flipped on its head where like that's a level of responsibility there but it's like a you're also expected to stay in a child's place right Right. and then you have when she's over in the leopard realm where it's just like they're like all right y'all gotta figure this out (laughs) make decisions fully and it's not wrapped in a kind of gender hierarchy Right? They do have a hierarchy, yeah. but it's not like in the traditional gender cultural, you do what your dad and your mom says kind of way.
1: And I feel like that's very reflective of Chi Chi. So, oh, yeah. Chi Chi is, you know, Nigerian. She's very she's familiar with the culture, but I think like she's closer to the, the leopard society because she's Chi Chi of Niamh. You know, turns mm-hmm. out she's a Niamh princess. Her mom is a Niamh princess. They really uh, prize knowledge and especially knowledge of magic. So Chi Chi doesn't go to school, y'all. She don't go to school. Not really. And it's not because she's not smart or not capable. It's because for her, education is not what's most important. It's actual knowledge. So and her mom lives in a shack full of books. Mm -hmm. Like it's not about the money for with them at (laughs) all. It's all about the knowledge, the books, the ability to do, you know, juju and just really being advanced in that way. And I feel like Chi Chi embodies that in the same way where Sonny's parents are like, Baby girl, you gonna be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, like that's it. Those are right. your options. And Chi Chi's mom is just like, uh, here's the here here's what, you know, what I what I'm studying right now. Let's have a, a theory of knowledge conversation on this, right? It's very Socratic almost in the way that Chi-Chi and her mom interact. And I feel like Orlu sits in the in, in the interim of those. Orlu is very Nigerian, but he's also very much into the magical society. He's somebody who is the son of other leopard folk, mm-hmm. right? His entire family. And, but they are also very involved in Nigerian politics. Like right. his, his folks were involved in Nigerian rebellion. I think it was like 1970s or eighties or something like that. And he feels very strongly about nationalism in that way. And for him, he is both embodying Nigerian culture, Igbo culture, as well as the, the uh, Leopard Society culture. So he's very much a part of both. And we kind of notice this in what their first languages are. Right. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Chi Chi, her first language is Efik, and not Igbo. Yeah. while lose is Igbo, which becomes important to how they manifest their powers and mm-hmm. call their spirit face. Um, and of course, Sasha, who we've already touched on, is African-American. He just knows that he has some Nigerian roots mm-hmm. and Nigerian family. But him being you know, a Black American, for our non-American listeners, Black here just means of African descent. And for... Us here, you know, we don't have as close a tie a lot of times to our African heritage. So Mm. in I think book three, book three in Akata Woman, you know, that becomes a factor in his story as well, Mm. where, you know, there's some this this gin bottle passed down and he actually gets to hear the voices of his ancestors Mm. while he's in the spirit realm. So it's very cool, very in tune with the, the culture of what it's like to be black American, where You know, there's so much culture and so much history that you're not very aware of, but you're also, you know, having your own culture from being in America. And there's certain things that, you know, we do identify with that is also shared in the diaspora. Right. So I I do think all four represent this uh, these different perspectives in a Nigerian subculture, mm-hmm. both the American, the non-American, this efique subculture within it—it's just a lot. It's a lot going on there.
0: Yeah, and I think part of like what makes it uniquely YA is that like it's all routed through this lens of like belonging, right? You know, like, like right. you talked about, I think earlier, like with Sunny. It starts like the whole series starts off with her just like how different she is from everybody, the kind of difference, how she stands out and then finding a place in this new magical society with these other people. Um, and then, you know, throughout the throughout the series, they get into this whole, like, sense of, like, okay, what is the inherent rebellion that we're pushing against, right? They're in a system you want to be a part of, but you're batting kind of against that in different ways, right? And that's, and those kind of things, that belonging, that rebellion from the individual perspective, right, really feels uniquely YA and feels like a lot of these kind of things are routed through that, how their characters move through the story and what their experience, you know? is and in reading you know of course like as we always talk about like there are just sometimes i'm like okay i'm reading a child i have to remember that i'm reading (laughs) a child so this child is going to make childish decisions that is going to be really fucking annoying to me (laughs) like that's true but i you know in some of these things it's like it's not at least in this kind of this particular book it's not always that like they make annoying decisions it's just the 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 hemming and hauling that goes up to some decision and stuff is annoying. But I'm I'm like, oh, functionally they're functioning as if they're 16 to like 19 years old. This child is twelve. This child is thirteen, right? And yeah. what what? Is she sixteen by the uh end of the series or like
1: I think she's getting ready to turn sixteen. Okay. So for the a, a kind of woman, she's still like fifteen exactly.
0: But... So it, it's wilder than that. So then you know, like thinking about uh the with new adult and thinking about this within the broken earth trilogy we think about esun right and Esun, she's had what three children at this point a couple of her kids have died you know if you've read this book you understand like the, like all of this that this happened she doesn't been married before and in this kind of poly marriage and then now she's in this more traditional marriage and then we know what happens with that particular husband and things like that. It's not good. None of it's really good for her. But she has a lot of these kind of experiences. So we come to her when she is at this middle age. Like she is grown grown, right? Yeah. So we're an adult, baby. A full adult. So we're like in that. The beautiful thing about the book that that it does, but it comes again because we start with her being grown, grown. It comes from a, a particular experience of the new adult where we do get her story of her as a kid and of her as like this burgeoning adult, and then her as the present, which is her being grown now, but they're all interwoven, right? We get a chapter about Esun, then a chapter about her as Demaya, you know, 30, 40 years ago, right? Then we go back to Esun, and then we get a chapter about Cyanite, which is like her 15 years earlier or something like that, right? So it's these different kind of ways that we're getting into the character and we really think about like okay in this new adult perspective her experience really is trudging her way through that because she already comes to the book the present of the book with a wealth of experience that we're just along the ride for right um we don't really get to see her in in the way that is pushed throughout the book right the first book we get her backstory right but the second and third book were present and up now, right? So it's like, we don't really get to see our main character in the space of them learning how things work and how that goes on. It's not really about that particular individual learning the, the journey or part of that being new, right? We're, we're with a grown woman as she recounts kind of herself within that, or as this is recounted within her within that. Um, and I think like too, us as people who we don't have children, right wow. we're not married
1: <laughs> like we're not with all that right now single as a pringle in single face. as a
0: Pringle, baby but you know like with as people like that it's like it's interesting how we connect to to this character right or how we connect to this character across their different lives right i feel like yeah we probably connect a lot with cyanide because cyanide but, story starts when she's around our age like or the main part of the story is around yeah that. yeah
1: yeah i feel like cyanide really embodies the whole I've mastered the system I I have defined who I am as a person and I know my career forward and I feel like that's a lot of us in these these mid early 20s maybe a little bit into our mm-hmm. late 20s where we feel like I know what career I'm going into. I know what my next steps are going to be. I know what I want to attain as a salary or what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. I know the rules of engagement. Okay. I can work. I can, I can do what I need to do in the corporate arena. I can do what I need to do in the personal arena. I ain't good at all the shit, but at least I know what track I'm on. And cyanide, I think really represents that where she understands what it means to be a fourth ringer. She understands what her duty is within the fulcrum in that society. Mm-hmm. She understands what her future holds as she understands it to be. And instead, now discovering as she's coming out of that cyanide mode, is her discovering that, you know what? I can want other things. Mm-hmm. Cyanide is admitting to herself, you know what? I understand how this world works, but outside of this system, who am I? Right. And she starts going through that. And I feel like we identify a lot with that because. We know what we were taught growing up. You know, go to college, get a good education, mm-hmm. get a good job, work that job, make sure you save in your four hundred one k. Right. And we had this understanding of what the world was
0: mm-hmm. and was supposed like, to supposed be supposed to guess, be. Right? And then we hit that disillusionment. Be... Like right,
1: right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. We we definitely hit disillusionment where it was like, okay, number one, the world as I know it is not exactly that way
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: Cyanite learns that Alabaster who's a 10 ringer and in this world 10 ringer is the the penultimate the most powerful of
0: power power with origin right and what we learn like later throughout the story is that Cyanite actually is stronger than that even
1: right well we also learn that being a 10 ringer does not uh absolve you Mm -mm. of your responsibilities
0: they don't care how much money you got how powerful you are they are gonna kill you regardless
1: And not just kill you, but use you. Breed you. Yeah. So Alabaster, who's the Ten Ringer, and one of her dalliances, if you will. One of her baby daddies, really. Mm -hmm. Um... (laughs) You learn from him that they used his children to create these nodes, and nodes in this society helped to control the weather, basically. But they turned his kids into vegetables to control the weather. Into and vegetables he just and had, strapped
0: them up to different like things that like right. connect into the ground and use their power because he's super powerful. So they use that kind of power to then do that. But they they're just mindless and like you said, vegetables.
1: They just vegetables and in pain at that because one of them literally one of the more graphic scenes in the book is describing the state of that child and the agony that they were in and I feel like for cyanite it was realizing the depth of alabaster's anguish and let's remember alabaster's at least 10 to 15 years older than her and mm-hmm. in her mind he's leagues powerful more powerful than her and yet she sees him in a powerless state oftentimes yeah I feel like a lot of times we see alabaster not as this all-powerful, uh, origine or, or originate, I can't remember how they say it in the audio book. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like she doesn't see him as this all powerful person. Matter of fact, she argued with this nigga left and right, she yeah, she does always, not care, <laughs> she cares not, and she's always wondering why he's allowing himself to be in this position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we continue to learn in this memory, in this reverie, that. Just because you see something one way doesn't make it true. And we learn a lot of that through cyanide. And we also learn that every time she changes her name is her way of putting the past behind her.
0: Right. And trying to claim a new part of herself. Within right. That. Which is an interesting thing within like the kind of journey narrative, right? We talked about the journey narrative within the YA. It's like coming into that. But with New Adult, and in this particular series, she's her journey... It's multiple like she it she's it's all not, we, right it's not linear yeah. at all like we, we right to her at a certain point and we realize oh she's had like 17 of these different journeys Honestly. right then changed her name three times and she's like okay i'm this person now and then she's realizing the kind of breakdown within that and i think part of it too that makes this kind of journey uniquely toward this new adult right because we like i said we get cyanide who is our age who is in that new adult range and then throughout the series we kind of stick more or less with esun right Mm -hmm. Who, who is the middle age so we pull full pull pull fully into that adult range but of course she's looking back at herself and one of the things that happens in this book that we realize a lot is that the way that people see you is not often how you see yourself. You
1: see yourself right, yeah. and
0: Inon has this like whole speech that he gives to her about her and alabaster at the, in the first book. And it's about like uh Inon is this uh person who is her lover who functions as her husband in that polydynamic I talked about. Her alabaster and Inon, right? Um and Inon looks at her and says, "We all know and see that you're the stronger of the two of you." Right? Because we see how broken he is is. and how he's trying to like hold himself together and the force that you have in pushing through that. And that was a time where she really saw something in herself that wasn't just about what the fulcrum, which is the whole group that trained her to be the weapon, right? It wasn't just the fulcrum told her. It wasn't what she always thought within that. And then as she's on her journey throughout Essun, like later in life, she's looking back and like, wait a minute. Some of the parts of cyanide, I need to go back and pick up.
1: Get that, like yeah. I,
0: she, she, I need cyanide now. I don't really need the essence, the person who's the common person I've had to mold myself into and kind of become with that.
1: And I feel like that's something that I can identify with too. Where there's parts is is characteristics that you had in your youth in an extreme, you know, mm-hmm. but you need that as an adult. Whether in her case, she needed Demaya's perseverance. Mm. Demaya, her younger self, was willing to suffer and deal with whatever she needed to deal with to make it through the Fulcrum training, to make and it to get, through. To
0: get to a better space. Yeah. To,
1: right. To make it through to being Cyanite, to get in that name, yeah. right? And I think when she became Cyanite and looking back as Esun, she needed Cyanite's fearlessness. Mm. She needed Cyanite's ambition, Cyanite's drive to do what she needed to do. And Essoon we later learn is the nurturer right mm-hmm. this is her nurturing persona as soon does not go out of her way to stand out as soon don't go out of her way to argue with nobody she's a teacher Essun, she's a teacher mm-hmm. she literally goes out of her way to be mid ladder in every sense of mm-hmm. the word but as she goes through her journey looking for her daughter not she starts to draw on those other parts of herself she starts to draw on Demaya's perseverance. She starts mm-hmm. to draw on Cyanite's fearlessness and ferocity yeah. as well, because Cyanite didn't Cyanite wasn't no bitch, <laughs> okay? All and right. she realized that she realized, <laughs> or rather, that. she, she like, was that bitch. You know? <laughs> she was. Mm. So I feel like as soon you realizes that, that there are parts of herself that have to be uncovered for you to continue to grow and develop. It's like we don't need the naivety or naïveté. Mm-hmm. of Demaya. I don't need my childishness, but I do need that perseverance. I do right. need that hope. I do need that You need that, that faith thing that
0: allows you to get to where you are now. To, to, right. Even if it and was just to survive, yeah.
1: And when it comes to Cyanite, I don't need Cyanite's brashness. I don't need her her um uh, impulsivity. Uh-huh. But I don't need her brainwashing yeah. of the fulcrum. I don't need that. But I do need her ferocity. I do mm-hmm. need her tenacity. I do need her X, Y, and Z. Her and intelligence. Yeah. Her intelligence. Her creativity. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we see her develop in the the last book when she's a part of this community, this chosen family, is her being all of that. She yeah. is a leader. They follow her. They. She is a, now a self-proclaimed tin ringer as she realizes Mm -hmm. so she is powerful she is nurturing she is compassionate but she's also willing to do what she needs to do to protect those that she loves and that's something that we don't really see in YA, YA as much. I feel like YA is very linear because they don't have much history to go back and look at. Exactly, you know, yeah. you, you you twelve. Okay, we get a memory of Sunny at nine. That's about as far back right. as we're going, honey.
0: And, and it's and it's like honestly, I can't really deal with when they're like, I was a child. Then. Child, and it's like and you it were three a years child
1: ago? now. <laughs> you know. Look, yeah. the difference in 3 and 30 is very large right. right
0: you're right there's stuff we don't even remember before like 15 at this point uh right but but yeah like it's so interesting and you you mentioned little missus earlier so we got to go ahead and get into her a little bit so nasun who oh we have so many issues with but it makes sense <laughs> right? so nasun is essun's daughter right nasun is essun's daughter with her second husband uh jija is his name Basically, really horrible, sad things that you find out at the beginning of the book um, and throughout that is that um, a big event happens because, like, the, the whole book starts where the world is ending, right? Because the fifth season has started, the earth has been broken, and now, like, things about to start are about to go wild. So, a huge earthquake happens. Um, part of it is during this kind of earthquake, when uh, Esun is not there, her son, her little baby son, Uche, uses his power right and her husband doesn't know that like they any of them have the power he kind of uh, suspects it but he doesn't really know and there's this really like of course this world hates people like her um because they think that they're going to kill them and there's all this fear or whatever so her husband she finds out she comes back to the house where her husband has killed her son uh and that sets off this whole kind of series of things but her daughter is not there So she assumes that her daughter has been taken by her husband. So that's where Nasun is, right? Now, Nasun is this little girl that's been trained by her mother, but of course, like, experience-wise, again, because we're still in that mode, right? Experience-wise, Nasun doesn't have the experience of being born into a world and then trained in a space where everyone knows what she is, and they're trained specifically to be that weapon, right? She's trained in secret, and she's like... Butting up against this, trying to be, because uh, because you know Esun is trying to give her in part a normal life, but also let her know about how to train and control. Baby, her
1: hips. baby, say say the say the truth out loud. soon don't know she black. That's what the problem. <laughs> That's is. what it feels like. Not soon you know? don't know she black. <laughs> so she's like i want to be
0: this and i want to do that and essun is like like you cannot and i and i understand like right because it's been bred into essun and like built into essun her entire life how this thing is supposed to work and she has a lot of trauma from that but her child doesn't have that same trauma she has the inherited trauma from her mom so of course she's gonna like rebel and do that very ya kind of thing right and a lot of nasun's like pov parts in the chapters feel like YA books it but does. it's just like oh she's it's so very,
1: frustrating she's a very young adult protagonist in a way <laughs> like she's very self-centered and truly you you see her as that and i guess this is going to be our lens onto to nasun you see her like that because you know her mother's trauma you know you know what yep. the world truly is in a way that nasun does not And Nasun attributes everything bad that's happened to her. She attributes how people receive her to everything is her mom's fault. First, her mom is cruel. Her mom is cold. Her mom just tells her what to do and doesn't tell her why. And then as she starts to experience the world, my mama didn't prepare me for this. My mama Mm -hmm. didn't say that. Uh, uh, Shafa Shafa cares about me. Shafa does this. Shafa does that. And Shafa is like this guardian who is actually not out here to help her. Not really. And... She just has this idea that life is supposed to be one way. And instead of truly learning what life is like, she attributes everything to being her mama's fault. And she doesn't, it's in juxtaposition to Essun's growth where Essun has to look back on who she was and who she is to develop and grow. Nasun is like eight, or nine. So she doesn't have much to go on to develop mm-hmm. from. And because she attributes everything wrong with the world to her mother's teachings and people like her mom, she kind of become a little sociopath, no cap.
0: She does. Yeah. Because it, she's it, also really strong too, like her mom. But like in, in the biggest kind of issue where uh you see the physical ramifications of what this trauma does to these th- this particular group of characters. Um, is that like it's that whole event where we we have this scene right before in a different chapter of demaya learning how to use her power, right? Yeah and she misuses it by mistake as a kid. And the guardian breaks her hand because she misuses it as a way to teach her, not to do that anymore right it i think it's like he breaks the the hand is broken right or something well, like that
1: the, the the breaking of the hand is to have control over your power even in duress. oh
0: yes yeah yeah and, which makes sense because they have this earth literally earth shattering power i'm not saying it makes sense to break the hand you just understand like how
1: the ramifications right. of losing control
0: so then as soon does this to her daughter um right. and I forget like how this happens in that same way cuz I don't think she really actually wants to do that but It do you was, remember?
1: It was Nasun cuz Nasun's very arrogant mind you okay Yeah, she is Nasun believes that she got control she can do this that, and the other and Essun's test for her control was to break her hand and be like if you you got focus you think you got focus bet and so she breaks her hand and Nasun has to overcome this pain to keep from setting off tremors. and But the relationship is different here. Even though Essun learned this same lesson in a similar fashion, Essun is... Like, who did that to her as Demaya was Shafa, who was, like, her guardian, who saved her in a way because... But who Hong she was, never
0: expected to be a parent or somebody yeah, she who never, loved her
1: she, Yeah, she never expected... I mean, she wanted his love, but she never expected love from Shafa. And she never saw him really as a parental figure. And really, he was like her guardian, her legal guardian more so than anything. And they just had a different relationship. While Essun was Nasun's mother. And I feel like that relationship led to some of the shit that happened later. Because Nasun just felt like her mama was cruel to her for no reason. Her mama loved her brother more than her. And in a way, this also lends me to believe that Nasun didn't actually miss her brother. Because we have to remember, she's about nine. She's like nine, eight years old. She doesn't really bring up little Uche that often, let's be honest. Mm. Not in the way that Esun collapses for three, four days when she finds her baby boy. Right. And let's remember that Uche is the second son she's lost. Mm -hmm. She had another son, Corundum, who she was kind of forced to destroy, to keep him from being taken and made into something that she never wanted to see him as. And so in the story, when you learn she has gave birth to three children, has lost two, and she still has the compassion and the empathy to take care of Hoa when Hoa needs her to, um, help Tonki when Tonki needs her to help form the community and support the community when Ika needs her mm-hmm. it is just leagues above where I think a lot of people would be and where you can see how she draws on the different foundational pillars that she has in her personality, the perseverance, the ferocity, the empathy right. and Nasun Nasum definitely is giving that YA energy of everything is my mama's fault and this one person who seems to be on my side for everything, they my ride or die. This going to be my new daddy. And I'm going to do everything that he say he can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the end of the book is when, you know, Nasun may be like nine or something, nine, 10. And Nasun realizes all the things her mom did for her at the very end of the series. Nasun realizes all that her mom has done for her. And I feel like it is at that moment that Nasun starts to transcend into the new adult spectrum where mm-hmm. she realizes all the death and all the things that she laid at her mama's feet there were other consequences to be had and as yeah. soon I feel like is the epitome of going from self-centeredness as Demaya self-centeredness in a way as Cyanite to moving towards that community thought moving towards that if i die a day <laughs> Where, you know, where does that leave the people I care about? Because in the end, Essen wasn't worried about her life. She was worried about Tonki's life. She was worried about Ika and the community's success is what she really worked towards. And I feel like that's something that we don't actually see a lot of in YA where yeah. it's more about the surrounding community. It's more about the success of others or people that support you, then mm-hmm. it is about your survival, Than it is about your success, than it is about your feelings. It's and I don't want to call it self sacrificing. I wanna call it, you know, <laughs> we say this phrase jokingly, the millennials, I don't know about you ears, but <laughs> the the you know, the it's above me. I feel mm-hmm. like new adult really is that, is that at a certain extent, it's above me now. It's beyond, beyond my and beyond. concern and as, as an older sibling, you know, you feel that sometimes. It's mm-hmm. some things you do as no benefit to yourself because you seek other people's success. Or even your friends. You do things not because you expect them to immediately return the favor. You do it because you want to support them. You want to support your community. And even culturally, you know, supporting black businesses, supporting uh, small businesses, supporting, you know, local businesses coffee shops, like things become more about the cause than you feeling good. Right. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. And that's what I think we see a lot of in new, new adult books. And we talked a lot about Essence history. We talked a lot about, you know, Cotter Witch. And I think, I guess the overarching thing on this point is essentially we see with YA, it's like a transformation from, being a preteen to bring to being an adult or a young adult. We yeah. see preteen, the young adult and then new adult is more young adult to adult. Yeah. And in whatever form that,
0: that world kind and, of takes.
1: Right. Yeah. In, in whatever form or shape that that takes. Mm-hmm. And we see that with Esun as well as sunny in a kind witch. And I feel like those are two characters that in a way kind of parallel each other where different points of their life represent different parts of who they are. Even if Akata Witch is on a much smaller timeline, we still see a little bit of that transformation of, okay, I met Orlu, and I'm interested in him because as a friend, and he's nice to me, too. Orlu kind of cute. <laughs> right. And, you know, we gonna... we we might need to spend some quality time. Yeah. (laughs) And, and
0: and, and right. Like in that particular vein too, as we see them kind of growing, even in both YA and new adult, right. We see them growing. We also see like their, their code of ethics and their morality and stuff like that growing too. Right. So then it's like, you know, let's think about like, what does morality then look like in, in the specific books we're talking about, but in YA and new adult stuff. And like, how does morality differ maybe between some of this kind of stuff? Yeah.
1: I think, for young adult, everything is pretty clear cut, right mm-hmm. and wrong. You this know, This is good, this is bad. This this is good, this is bad, or uh, the quintessential something has wrecked the world and the chosen ones need to save they us. They have from to save it. the world, yeah. They have to <laughs> save the world. It's about being the hero. Right. I'm resisting the urge to sing the shrek song. I know. But <laughs> um essentially there's right and wrong objectives and these objectives in my opinion when it comes to morality in these books these objectives are always set by a mentor it's always set by uh, an adult or an authority figure in a way that's not in new adult like um (laughs) even the the sense of okay we need to stop this entity from entering earth Right. right? Or we need to stop this serial killer because killing is wrong, yeah. right? We establish off the top, killing is wrong. If we do kill, it's usually going to be on accident. We're going to cry about it, have a whole moment on it. And mm-hmm. if we, and to make killing acceptable for a protagonist, it's in self-defense.
0: Right. Right? Like, that, like There's for, a gray area, but there's a very light gray Like It's, it's very place. light
1: yeah. gray. Actually, they make it okay because it's like it was you or them right Mm -hmm. and even then the character feel bad for protecting themselves i feel like ya is very clear-cut on what is right what is wrong and it's all about you know saving the world Mm -hmm. and I would I would say the greater good, but that given utilitarianism and is we they ain't about killing nobody for the betterment of others. Yeah. It's literally we need to save everybody. It's that it's that beginning Captain America mentality. We yeah. need to save everybody. And that you
0: have to be the person to do it. And this. you have to be yeah. the one to do it. And and I think what's interesting too is that of course like that was that's incredibly true of a lot of the books that we read as young adults reading young adult books. And I think it gets maybe a little bit more um, complicated with some things like, you know, the young elites or the Rose Society or stuff that's pitch darker on purpose. Right. But it's still still wrapped in that same frame where mm-hmm. we, it, you extended the gray era, but we're still a part of a moral frame where we clearly see that this is wrong. And this and is this the is right, right, right? And it's about how do we get there and what sacrifices we make to get to the right thing,
1: right? It's a story of good and evil mm-hmm. all the time, every yeah. time. And I think the other thing that lends a little bit to morality as far as the the new adult side of things is, in contrast, there's no real overarching like m- m- morality a lot of times. Yeah. There, you, there's really not. It, you are swimming just, in
0: the slate gray. Right. (laughs) This is how this world is, and like, there's no overarching morality, right? But there can be overarching like code of ethics that societies and hierarchies put upon you. But your personal morality in a lot of these books, who (laughs) wherever it goes, and
1: and there's no objective either. No, there's no like we have to. The end game is to stop this person from doing something bad. Like, no, Mm -hmm. no, literally. We chose the perfect book for this. Literally, they're fighting the world. They're fighting Father Earth, yeah. okay? We are fighting the weather, bitch, and yep. we ain't storm. Um, This right. is where like, we the are. Right, like the book
0: opens with the world literally is like the beginning of the end of the world, right? right. And they are not like the whole part, part of the whole book is like the whole series is like, they are not fighting to stop the end of the world. They are not fighting to save the world. They're trying no. to survive survive (laughs) truly is the thing and some of them are trying to speed it up right because they're like well this shit has to end but then you know it's like people with all of these huge powers and everything like that they're like they have to be struck with okay let's look at things on this macro level
1: in addition to that They even have a culture that is structured around the end of the world. They have a class of citizens or a job that's like historians, lyricists Mm -hmm. or whatever. And their entire job is to remember people's histories, to remember people's stories that are important and then name this era. Right. And I feel like that is such an interesting thing because to our point, There's no one here to stop the shit. They're not out here to stop the world from ending. We're only here to record it. We didn't come here to stop the train from wrecking. I'm here to watch the train wreck. I'm here to watch it crash. I'm here to watch the wreckage. That's what I'm here for. Because no matter how hard
0: you work, the train is not going to stop. The
1: train is not going to stop. I'm not here to slow the bitch down. I'm not here to try to prevent anything. I'm here to survive and to watch the wreckage. If you survive. And you might not. If you survive. If you survive. And some people... Some people ain't even trying to survive. Really, it's just like we doing the best we can. And if you are not contributing to the community, you can go. It was it's why being calmless was so dangerous. Right, like their, their communities. Because you don't have people that
0: you're connected with. Yeah.
1: Right. Their communities were called comms for short. And being calmless meant was like being a lone wolf. Ain't nobody to hunt with you. Ain't nobody to hunt for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just out here you out here wild and by yourself in and, acid
0: rain or like life. dangerous animals that used to only eat plants. But as soon as the season starts, they try to eat human flesh and grow into weird things. Like a lot of stuff, wild stuff happens. And if you're alone, you know, that's that individual, that sense of individualism does not work in a world or, you know, at the, at the parts of this world where they're like, Oh, we are at the end of the world for, you know, our part particular part of it and people, you know, there are people always survive because their society continuously grows right so people do survive through this but it is kind of awful in that so there's this whole point in like new adult and specifically using this book where it's like it's everybody's job to save the world so therefore it is nobody's job to save the world the world's going in can't nobody save it and that's a very you know new adult kind of morality thing where it's like well this is what's happening right which is really interesting because i feel like you know I kind of feel a little bit of that, (laughs) like, as (laughs) as an adult, right? This is not me decrying that the world is going to end, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, there are decisions that could have been made. That was everybody's job to deal with certain things. And now it's just like, well, we have to deal with the reality of what's happening in our natural world right now. And we just got to figure out how to get through it. We got to survive it because it can't stop it from happening anymore. And it's just, you know, new adult really puts you into that place of like, it's, it's, it puts you in a place of understanding how to take action, right? Or how to be like, okay, well, I have to deal with this. So I'm just going to keep moving.
1: And I think, uh, you know, earlier in our conversation where I was talking about young adult having clear objectives, Mm -hmm. baby, there is no objectives in new adult. In real life, is it reflective of real life? Once you get to a certain point, we don't know what the fuck we doing. You just out here dealing with the punches it, you try to plan your life. You Everybody's familiar with the phrase, you know, man plans, God laughs. I feel like the older you get, the more you feel that. Whereas mm-hmm. like you, this, this five year plan you envision for yourself as Cyanite, you realize it's not a possibility is that soon you realize that the world is ending Cyanite right. had plans, but by the time she gets to the age that she thought she would have what she wanted, the world is ending. Yeah. And I feel like, Similarly, in our adult lives, we have shit like that that happens. You plan to be married at 30. You plan to have kids at 32. But you realize that, hell, you barren, you can't have kids. And you may or may not even like men to begin with. Mm -hmm. Or literally anything could happen. Like your vision of yourself at 25 could be an impossibility at 30. And I think that's something where you can try to plan your life. You can try to get that together, but you never know what the world has in store for you. And mm-hmm. you kind of have to plan it on your own. In YA, I feel like there are objectives set by mentors. In yeah. Akata Witch, they knew, hey, you got to master this skill. You got to be a level two And X, if you, y, and And if
0: you do this, things will be good. This will be good. Things right. will be better. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: If you accomplish this level, then you can do this magic. And if you can do this magic, you can take on Black Hat. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you could take on a or whatever and go on. But in new adult, there's, there's no levels. There's no collect $200 when you pass go. There's no, uh, let me, uh, skill up to level seven paladin. That, that shit yeah. don't matter. Life, that, lives. That's a, yeah. Look, <laughs> life, lives, And mm. you know, skill sets can make life easier, but it does not guarantee an easy life.
0: Yeah. Agreed. I think I think a really great um, example of just with this whole conversation that we're talking about is this quote that is from uh, the book that we're thinking about. Uh, it's from the end of the first book, uh, the fifth season. And this, right. And Alabaster is talking to Cyanite at the time that she is Cyanite and Essun. Um, and he says, like, I don't want you to fix it it was collateral damage, but Yumenes, which is the place they're from, got what it deserved. No, I want, what I want you to do, my Demaya, my Cyanide, my Asun, is to make it worse. And I love that because you, you find, and that's at the end of the book, that's the last time anybody verbally says anything, right? At the end of the first book. And I love that because it's just like, it flips the whole notion of morality on its head, right? It's like, Because part of this is them finding their personal morality and Alabaster, this person who's been connected to her for a huge portion of her life, who she shares this this tragedy with the tragedy of their child being dead and everything like that, and also learning more about her power and herself with is like, I started us on this train of just accelerating the apocalypse. No, I need you to make it worse. Like you have to do this right. because you're the only person who can, who has this power and in making it worse, maybe it makes it better, but it just gets us all through this kind of phase. So there's, there's still no, you don't know what actually like it's going to do. <laughs> like you never right. understand that. Yeah.
1: And I feel like this is a, another, another lend to, you know, killing is a part of life, right? The, the This <laughs> gone is the black and white good and bad killing is wrong except in self-defense like gone is light gray all we got is killing is a part of life it's not necessarily wrong okay but it may be necessary for our society like these people got to go right um and and you live in a world
0: where that is the modus operandi like that's just how things have to be
1: and i think along with this morality you have a different threshold for your connections um, one of the things we mentioned with YA is that you kind of you, you kind of have a chosen one and the chosen one has the Aang gang alright mm-hmm. if y'all know Avatar The Last Airbender you know what I'm talking about alright the, <laughs> the gang the <laughs> gang okay you have, you have the Aang gang where you have the Avatar also the known as the chosen one right and in this case we have Sunny who's mm-hmm. an albino and being albino also gives her powers in addition in to yeah. in, in addition to what she has and then we have her surrounding gang who mm-hmm. are part of these different subcultures, have these different gifts and powers that support her on her journey to conquer all of these evildoers, okay? Yeah. And I feel like in juxtaposition, new adult, fully functioning people, yeah. all right? These are fully functioning adults. And because of that, we we can choose our people at different rates, right? We yeah. can choose we know automatically mm, I'm not going to jive with that person because of X, Y, and Z because we have no similar interests. And I think that's actually one of the things that I uniquely appreciate mm-hmm. about new adult, right? Yeah. Is that ability to truly have a chosen group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things you learn as an adult is that some people are leaves and others are branches, right? Some right. people only here for a season. Come when fall happened, when Come fall happened, these leaves are gone. They that are is. dropping. Honey. It's the
0: garden. Everybody it, can grow together in that garden. Right. Okay.
1: Right. And, <laughs> but, but branches are a part of you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These, these branches grow with you. They, they extend outward. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in new adult, we get to see that. We get to see a new type of relationship form with people that know their identity. The journey is not figuring out who we are. The journey is knowing each other and growing together. Mm -hmm. And And it's a fully informed choice,
0: right? That's a fully informed choice. It's not by circumstance often.
1: And I think that's why YA is as beautiful as it is. And I think it's one of the reasons we still, at least I still read YA. I still jump in. (laughs) Is, you know, the growth of the relationships, those day one relationships, I mean, and it's something that we relate to knowing each other as long as we have from our preteen years to now, damn near 30, um, is we understand what it's like. I, I'm not the same Ray that I was when you met me, mm-hmm. but we have grown together in such a way that is like, I know the old you, <laughs> or right. as, as it goes the old Kanye, new Kanye. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like we we have this understanding of who we were and who we are and to a certain extent who we will be like there's there's a a, a certain amount of knowing that comes from having such history and we even see that with esun and Tonki, where even though they haven't seen each other in 20 years they still have a certain understanding of each other like i remember you ho right
0: and they I had that history you. that connection
1: together and yeah like, they was like okay i i you <laughs> I knew you hold on. I knew you by another name. Right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But I still know you. And I feel like that was really what also lent for both of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like that's the beauty of YA is that growth in relationship and knowing the histories of each other Mm -hmm. intimately. Because there are things we can say to each other that we don't have to explain because we were there. Right. Right.
0: I think there's also like within that there's this beautiful thing too. Right, you have that like that learning and knowing people at that particular time is an important part. But within YA too, the other half of the story is you're learning yourself, right? And yeah. a lot of like these YA books give a lot of us, you know, as kids, because I think we like I needed YA most when I was that age, when I was twelve. And I had to read this, you know, I'm reading this book about this kid going through terrible situations, learning how to stand up for themselves and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, maybe I can take a little bit from that. But, you know, and there's such a beauty in that and being able to see, like, young people grow into a sense of self. Right. They're at the beginning of this journey. Right. And there's just something beautiful about watching somebody at the beginning, like really like the light turns on and you're like they're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to do this. I don't have to be like this or act like this. And that goes into the kind of, um, you know, individualism, uh, you know, but it's like, it's a beautiful part of that, where at one point they were like the lonely, this kind of odd one out. uh, But then through that individualism, learning themselves and understanding themselves, they do make that first point at connection, right? So then they have that, like like you were talking about, the choosing of the gang, right? Finding this local community of friends. Even if it's of circumstance, it's like, because they find themselves, they're finding themselves and connecting with others and vice versa. And it's a beautiful, yeah.
1: And I think the other beauty in YA and young adult is that kindergarten friend phenomenon where you can be friends for the smallest of reasons. Oh, yeah. Right? You you shared a crayon or in the event of Orlu and Sunny, he was just somebody that was nice to her. He didn't Mm -hmm. bully her. You know, he walked her home from school one time after she got in a fight. But... It wasn't really the extent, the intentional friendship that you kind of have to have as an older person. And in some ways it's nostalgic to be like, man, yeah, just walk up to somebody, give them a sticker. That's your friend. Mm-hmm. And in other ways we learn that there's a certain level of a, a, a concrete connection when you have the higher wall of accessibility right. when you're older, right? Right where you don't have to go through the friendship breakup and for those that have been friends with somebody them day ones that didn't work out them day ones that never made it to oh, day two oh. <laughs> them <laughs> day ones that never made it to day two y'all know i feel like as adults we know damn that 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 sucks i don't want to invest that kind of time in nobody else and then it end like this mm-hmm. and i feel like that's what we avoid as adults it's like mm, you're a little shaky I ain't finna be colorblind to these red flags no more. Right, exactly. Yeah, we ain't doing it, but because you
0: don't feel like you have to anymore, like right, like you don't yeah, have I, to be friends with these people. I so. don't.
1: I don't have to put myself through mm-hmm. that. I don't have to try to fit in because my locale isn't as important to my friendships right. anymore. As adults, we move states, we change cities, we move countries all the time, but we're still friends with people in the areas that we lived. And I feel like as kids, we don't have that same level of connectivity because so much of our relationships and so much of our community is defined by our parents Mm -hmm. and whoever or whoever is taking care of us, our legal guardians. Right. Where if you change school systems, your whole friend set done changed your society as you know, it has changed. Right. And you know, when we were growing up, cell phones weren't big, big, okay, I ain't, I ain't get one till I was about 14-ish, mm-hmm. right, at, right at high school, so you know, friends that I had before then, we basically lost touch with the exception of, like, following each other on Facebook when we got older, you know? Yeah. But, and I feel like kids today to a certain extent, yeah, they may have phones, they may have social media, but the, how your day ones continue to be in your life is that connectivity, is that being a part of Girl Scouts or some type of community environment to continue to grow with each other is that constant connectivity. And it's only so much playing Roblox can do for a bitch. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. Not Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's only so much. I Maybe I'm showing my age, but there's only so much that can do. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause especially if you don't get those inside jokes. And I guess that's something that growing up the way that we did is Hanging out the malls, going to the skating yeah, drink, yeah. you know, movies, whatever. There's, there's a certain nostalgia to that, but there's also a level of freedom and growth that we get yeah. as, as we go through the friendship. And but, but I guess I that's th- the nostalgia.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I think the beautiful part about YA often, and you can tell if like, There's some YA that is made for people who are that age, and there's other YA that's made for us who are at our age in the nostalgia. And I think what a lot of us love from that. It's like, oh yeah, I love the predictability. I love knowing that if these little kids go into a mall, they're about
1: to have a time. (laughs) Have a good (laughs) and they finna be late.
0: (laughs) They're about to be late. A skein rink movie theaters, grand time. And we all like, you know, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have that imagery of doing that as kids. Um, when we were, you know, younger. I don't know about like people of the like newer gener, like younger generations at this point, but like we have that kind of memory and that there's a a nice sense of predictability in that, right? There's this lovely sense of just like being able to know, okay, I'm reading this book. So I know we're gonna hit this point. We're gonna hit mm-hmm. this point. And it's just it's like you're you know the read that you need when you're in your your sad place or your aggressive right. place. You gotta pick it up. The comfort, I think, yeah.
1: I think the other, you know, cute things while we're talking about the nostalgia with YA, you get the first loves, mm-hmm. right? and yeah. the you get all the, the first often, you get yeah. all the you, you do you get all the first you get the first best friend the first friendship ending in some cases yeah. but you also get the first crush um in Sonny's case it was godwin who was like this older guy on the mm. soccer team that actually gave her a shot now things didn't go that far with godwin she just was like okay he cute okay mm-hmm. all right. you know boys didn't have cooties then and <laughs> and Orlu, who is like one of her best friends, he started to look different to her too. And I feel like you get a lot of those feelings too, where it's just like, uh, mm, mm, I don't know, I don't. Right. This is not feeling like it did yesterday. Right. She's like, and something about this relationship has changed. Changed, <laughs> right? Something has changed within me. <laughs> and you're like trying to navigate that with the character. And there's a little bit of the whole uh, the the kicking your feet notion. Right. Right. Where you're like, oh, this is so cute. Mm -hmm. You know, not not the the steaminess that can occur with a new adult novel, baby. Which is exciting
0: and lovely in its own right. So (laughs) wait,
1: right. Like new adult is it's the it's another antithesis, it's another setting that shit on the opposite spectrum. New adult is very thrilling. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, it is not predictable at all. New adult could be a womf. Okay? It could be a womp if you want to be. Uh, for those not up on that AO3 knowledge, it you know, basically this shit could be anguished. Mm-hmm, okay? Surely. This shit could be angst. It's channeling millennial angst. Okay? Like, right. but it could also end beautifully. Yeah, You never know. It could be a mixture of both. It, it's the real little relationships too because because these characters are so dynamic, they have a lot of history that you may not be aware of. There's always this little notion that if you're talking romantically or even sexually that shit can switch at any moment you never know how these people are connected on a deeper level and i feel like the same could be said for these friendships people that you didn't think would be friends at the beginning of the series Mm -hmm. end up being basically husband and wife by the end yeah and that level of transformative perspective is something we don't get very often with YA cause there's yeah. just not enough history. There's not enough time covered right. oftentimes, but with new adult, baby anything can happen. I mean, anything. And you also get to see these relationships really pendulum. Like yeah. people you thought would be super close turned out to not be, um, soon and Alabaster's relationship—it is interesting to watch them go from breeding partners to pseudo friends to in a polyamorous relationship within, and where mm-hmm. they have this respect for each other, but at the same time, this knowing—they just know each other. They yeah. just have an intimate knowledge of each other's psyche, right? Right, and then he blames her. They have this, she basically kind of runs away and just never deals with the loss and the grief. And when they find each other again, they have this almost like divorced people that finally settled amicably kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really
0: tense, but they like, they the people she, in the world who are still alive that know each other better yes, than anybody else anybody in the world else. Knows Anybody else. Yeah.
1: And it is beautifully sad to mm-hmm. know someone like that to and know to have
0: such tragedy between you. Right.
1: And it's just it's very complex emotions. Mm-hmm. And as a person, again, single as a Pringle and childless. And mm-hmm. for this to be for this to be such a flashbulb memory, you can imagine how that would feel for someone who has been through a similar situation. It is just so beautifully rendered that right. you understand the complexity of their emotions. You mm-hmm. understand how she has to take care of him. It's not out of a, a obligation. It's because she still loves him. Right. She's not in love with him, but she still loves him. She still cares about him as the survivor of their family. He's still family for her. And even though in some instances, he treats her like cyanide, in some instances, he treats her like Essun. There is this knowing of her doubts, of her fears, of what would break her. And she knows how fragile he is. She knows his history. There is an unspoken thing that they don't have to say to each other yeah. that the other person just gets. Yeah. To the point where they people... They know each weren't... other
0: on like a molecular level Yes, at point. they... Yeah.
1: Truly. And ironically, it's shown in the way Essun uses her powers to try to help him is she literally like cuts his arm off at a molecular level to save him right
0: right and she can she can feel when he's using his power from hundreds of miles away yeah
1: and i feel like that's one of the things that Mm -hmm. is a really driving force for me at least when it comes to the new adult genre is it's very transformative from young adult to adult fiction and we're not just talking about the spicy scenes, ladies and gents. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the complexity of emotion. I just it's, it's really hard to think of a 16 year old having that kind of relationship with somebody. Yeah, and it's not that, it's not. That because level of,
0: it's a level of experience. experience like it's yeah. on that thing. It's like you just don't have enough experience at that point to have the 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 thing where you can look at this experience as reflective of seventeen other experiences in your right. life. Right? Like, that's what's happening here. And I think that that's like a hugely beautiful thing that you see that is very unique to new adult. And what it is, is like you said, that transformative kind of nature, it makes it like you see the trans the way that like these relationships deeply transform. It's just like deep kind of character study often in a lot of these books and stories and films and movies and things like that, that maybe, you know, excuse me, yeah, like, Law Order SVU is is an adult show, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say it has this kind of new adult transformative kind of quality to it, right? So we, we think of like, you know, those um uh books that are like that, the Richard North Patterson's, the um the what's his name? The John Grisham books i think those the detective novels all of those yeah. kind of stuff yeah james definitely. patterson too like those kind of things it's new adult as a genre is different from that because it allows and part of it like the driving force is that transformative kind of nature and to what you were just talking about too like new adult and young adult are so beautiful because they're both transitory genres right Tra- like with young adult you move from children to this young adult thing. Like that's the whole age range. And then with new adult, you move from like, oh, I'm a versioning adult into like, I'm fully grown grown. And we don't have a lot of those other kind of transitional trans, transitory, transformative kind of genres. And I think that's just what's so beautiful about both of these kind of things. They're kind of like both sides of the same coin, right? Yeah. It's just like you begin the journey in one place and you are pushing through the latter part of it in a different one, And I think that's lovely.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel like, and, and we talk about this all the time, but to catch you guys up, uh, I feel like when we were growing up, there wasn't very much young adult. Just like now, there's not very much new adult. But when we were growing up, young adult was still a pretty new section. Mm-hmm. And so...
0: You grew right at the beginning of we, it. Yeah. yeah, you
1: know, we were right at the beginning of it, okay? And the reason why this is important is because we literally only had adult books and children's books and like one or two YAs growing up. And I feel like that has, that changes our perspective on the YA characters and how Mm. we related to them because we had an adult lens as 14, 15 year olds. And to the point where some books were DNF'd because we just couldn't understand why they made certain decisions. And we couldn't understand it because we had read other books similar but with adults and so for us we were like okay you ain't in enough dire straits for this you ain't got no bills or no kids to take care of what are you doing Mm -hmm. and i think now (laughs) i think now is why we appreciate new adults so much is because we get the fantasy we get the adult decision making we get the not really knowing how the book is going to end because adults are more complex than children it's, it's very right. it's not a linear sense of making of making decisions. And this is not to say that YA is boring by any means because there are very beautiful worlds out there in the land of YA. It's just that I'm finding, you know, I enjoy reading a lot of these independent authors that write about the twenty eight year old protagonists finding their powers for the first time. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the Thirty-year-old mother that's fighting her baby daddy that's a werewolf and trying to get with the damn dragon shifter. Like, give that to me, okay? Give that Absolutely.
0: to me. Absolutely. Like, you
1: <laughs> Injected know, inject it
0: into my veins.
1: Please. Inject it into my veins, baby. This is saline. Give me life. Like, right? This is what this is what I I want. The future of is just imagining beyond the Sherrilyn Kenyans, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to, we don't have to have a, a, a I don't want to say stagnant characters. Cause I don't want y'all to have that view of Sherilyn Kenyon. I enjoy her work. But, I think
0: it's, you don't have to be a young person to be transformed, right? right. Like you don't there have we to go. be a child to go through that, right? We like, don't,
1: we don't stop changing just exactly, because we're
0: older. Exactly. Like tra- you can have a transformative experience at 45 right, and it obviously. takes your life to a new height, right? I want the book where the 45 year old gets the power, right? Right. The forty five year old who has a kid maybe in college or like a teenager, whatever, they gotta deal with the fact that they are a grown ass person, but they have like this random power, right? Like let let's let's get that. Let me let me see that show.
1: Baby, give me Vampire Academy with sweet magnolia age characters. With the that World, is honey. <laughs> with wreck the World, honey. Right, right, because we
0: also don't ever get like the kind of vamp- and that, that we're going yes. off. But like we don't get yes. the kind of vampire stories where like the vampire is changed at like fifty two. <laughs> Right, that's that's hilarious to me. That's fascinating. <laughs> like like that.
1: Like I feel, I, and I think we hit the nail on the head. We we got off on a tangent, but
0: mm-hmm. I
1: really do want to have the you know it's that that ability that you are always changing. You're always growing. Who right. I am today is not who I'll be tomorrow. Um, what's it called? Is it like the doctor in the river or something like that? Where Basically, um, you never step in the same river twice.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, the, the I think Pocahontas.
1: Maybe t- one. But, um,
0: but I know she's talking about yeah. The yeah, the river is always moving, so you can't actually step into the yeah.
1: Right, and and because I can't step I can't step into the same river twice, and I'm not the same bitch that stepped in the first time. So there it is. It, so <laughs> it's a it's a it's a new situation, and it's a new time. New river, new bitch. New river, new bitch, and. <laughs> I feel like that's what we love about the new adult books is it shines a light on being older does not mean being stagnant. Being older does not mean being fixed. Being older does not mean I I don't have an opportunity for growth.
0: It's not being stuck in the rigid traditionality that you, in part, maybe assume that your life is supposed to go. Right, those kind of places. You're like, oh, at this age I'm supposed to do this and have this and right. have this. And new adult fiction says, girl, and what age are you? Right. And you ain't got that yet, right? I okay, like so let's new, let's let's sit that down.
1: <laughs> new new adult embodies the whole shit. I'm 35, but 35 ain't feeling grown no more. It's millennial, not angst. Grown. millennial angst.
0: Millennial angst. New feeling... adult is the millennial construction. <laughs> Look,
1: be like, I don't feel grown. You know, Mm -hmm. I know I can live life. I can live on my own. But baby, I don't feel adult Mm -hmm. enough for this.
0: Young adult is millennial nostalgia. New adult is millennial angst. That's just what it
1: is. (laughs) Not us making this generational.
0: Listen, we created these genres for the most part, right?
1: But I guess I just want to say, young adult, to your point, it is a certain level of nostalgia. But I also think it's very reflective of young people not being stupid though, either like young adult at no point paints these young people as incapable, you know, maybe a little immature, maybe a little ignorant, but they are not incapable. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like growing up a lot of times kids were seen as, you know, being a young person's place, you know, you take orders, right. you do this, that, and the other. And, and, that's, I feel like that's just not so. We can't function in a society where young people aren't allowed to explore and challenge. A lot of why is about rebellion. It's about challenging yeah. the system that you want so badly to fit into. And I feel like new adult...
0: It's about realizing you couldn't fit into that system that no way. So go ahead and leave that behind.
1: New, new adult <laughs> is... I'm not fitting into that system, but it's also about building new ones. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah. it's
1: about developing your own individual morality. It's about mm-hmm. figuring out what you believe in, what you're willing to do. Would you say it's about,
0: out. I don't know, crafting a new world?
1: Oh my gosh. Mm, sure. Look at that.
0: Look at that. Look at us. Sure.
1: <laughs> um, shameless plug for black worlding. Okay. <laughs> world building. World building. <laughs> like, is it a
0: plug when they're already listening?
1: <laughs> I mean, is it shameless when they already listening?
0: <laughs> that part. Yeah. We don't have shame here. We don't do that. We don't try to that. Honestly.
1: We don't traffic in that. That's not our ministry. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the, the wonderful, beautiful world of young adult and new adult. Mm-hmm. In some instances, they are very polarized. But in others, you really can't have one without the other. Because if we completely took out Essun, then Cyanite and Demaya would still be a beautiful young adult story. Yeah. It actually, Cyanite was grown side night out here having threesomes side (laughs) night out here having threesomes okay so you know know. living her life living her life like it's golden shout out to Jill Scott (laughs) Um, but yeah I I just think that this was a great little think piece and I I feel like we chose some great books this time around I think so
0: yeah Um, so like if you if you haven't yet please go run towards you know Nnedi Okorafor's um in the incibity script yeah the script. and this akata witch akata warrior and akata woman and then you have um nk Jemison's broken earth trilogy um which are the fifth season the obelisk gate and stone sky listen to it go read it you know take that in and you can like kind of see what we're talking about um it's they're both really beautiful pieces and honestly maybe think about reading them around the same time like together yeah. to really kind of get that yeah, Back and per- forth.
1: Get that perspective. We was Get talking that perspective. About. There it if, is. If you, if you have read them and you know you just don't see some of the context that we've talked about, mm-hmm. li- listen to it again. Okay. All right. Listen, listen to it with the with the ear of I love how you didn't say, well, give us your
0: thoughts. You said, no, no, no. no if no, you no. don't see what we talked about, listen go listen to it again, because then I think you'll see you'll be on the same page.
1: <laughs> look, look what y'all gonna learn about me real soon if you gonna come at me come correct because Hmm. baby I'll have receipts so I need you to listen Hmm. again take notes give me if y'all get sending me some screenshots and some highlighted notes I can't argue with you
0: what she saying? in the real housewives of Potomac don't come for me unless I send for you (laughs) Ah, ah, that part absolutely
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: come on Karen
1: (laughs) not Karen that's the most unfortunate name
0: that is her name (laughs) It's not a so podcast about Real Housewives of Potomac, but that's a great-ass, that's a great-ass house of Potomac uh, series. Oh, anyway.
1: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Black Worlding. We hope you enjoyed every minute of it. If you've been inspired by the incredible authors, characters, and narratives we explore today, we encourage you to continue the conversation with us. Be a good play cousin and connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts, favorite moments, and your own book and show recommendations. Remember, the power of storytelling lies not only in the words on a page or the scenes on a screen, but also in the discussions that ignite and unite us. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite platform. Your feedback and support means the world to us and helps us reach even more listeners. Together, we We're creating a space where our voices are heard, our stories are celebrated, and every listener is valued. Thank Thank you for for being a friend. friend.